I can't get no satisfaction. I heard some of you singing along with that. You know, they tell you not to do this, but I want to tell you a story without a point. There's no, like, analogy or anything, but it's just a good story. When Keith Richards, do you know how he wrote that song? He had one of the very first tape recorders, personal tape recorders, and he had this, and he was just playing with it the first night he got it. All night long he was staying up and playing around in his guitar and singing, and he fell asleep, and he woke up in the morning and said, I wonder if I got anything good last night. And he played it back, and he heard... Dun, 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 dun. And he said that came to him basically in a dream. That's how he got that song. I think that's a pretty cool story, right? It's a cool song. He said it's the first and only time that's ever happened to him. I can't get no satisfaction. Um, so before we jump into our message, like I said, no point to that sermon, that message, right? No point to that story. But um, two things. We have so many things going on in our church right now. So two things. Tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m., we're going to have our 101 class. Right here, dinner is not provided, but we do have some dessert and, and some refreshments. But we want you to be here. If you're wanting to take the next step in our church to get plugged in, get to know us, and perhaps become a member, this is for you. So be here tomorrow night from 6.30 to 8.30. Child care is provided. The next thing is this Thursday night, Financial Peace University is kicking off. This is a nine-week class. If you've ever struggled with money, which is all of us, Right? This class is for you. So you want to get signed up. It starts this Thursday night at 6 o'clock from 6 to 8 on May 16th. So you're going to want to be there. Then the last thing, um, Sawyer and I, you saw Sawyer a little bit ago, we, we started a podcast this last week. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, somebody likes our podcast. Did you listen to it? Okay, cool. Yeah. So we started this podcast. So we, we've been wanting to do this for a while, but kind of the impetus for us to start right now is we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes in this series. And I'm going to do 12 weeks on Ecclesiastes. There's 12 chapters. But there's a whole bunch of stuff in this book that we're not going to be able to get to. In fact, there are almost three chapters of Proverbs, which are like a line or two. And basically, it's an idea into itself. So if I was going to preach on it, it would take like 30 or 40 weeks to get through all of those Proverbs. And you guys are like, we're going to be done with Ecclesiastes by then, right? I get it. So that's why we're kind of covering some of those in this podcast. And we're going to continue on. And it's called 10,000. Because did you know there are 10,080 minutes in a week? And you guys, all of us, spend about 80 minutes thinking about faith. (laughs) So this is for the other 10,000. That's what this podcast is for. So we want you guys to start listening to that, subscribe to it, um, and I think it'll be a great companion, whatever you're doing throughout your week. Okay, so we're going to jump into our message today. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. So... I believe it was like the first or second week that we were here. So I've been here now two years in this church. And it was after a Sunday, we were, Melissa and I were saying, hey, let's go out to lunch. And we, were, we heard all about this brand new place that just opened called the Stanley Marketplace. Heard of it? And everybody's like, it's just east of the church. You've got to go check it out. So we left on a Sunday afternoon and we were going to go to lunch at the Stanley Marketplace. So we headed east. That's what you do, right? And what happened? We couldn't get there. You know, we went east and we went straight east and we run into a creek. There's literally a creek right there. And we're like, okay, that's weird. We can see Stanley Marketplace right there, but we can't get there. So we drove north thinking that we could get around. We went north and what happened? We can't get there. Yeah, I was like, okay, I can see it. It's right there. Come on. So then we were like, okay, this is a dead end. Let's, let's go east now. And we still could not find our way to the dang Stanley Marketplace. It took forever to get to some place that was just over there. We could see it. You know what I'm talking about? You ever done that when you're driving? You can see a place. You know that it's somewhere over there, but you can't get there. 
Every road you drive down is a dead end. Can't get there. And I think that sometimes is what life is like. We try all these different things and we're saying, I'm going to go do this and we get to the end of it. Nope, that's not where I was trying to get to. You're going to go try this. Doesn't work. Go this. I think that's that whole idea of that song. I can't get no satisfaction. It seems like everything I try isn't enough. I think the story of James Corden illustrates this well. James Corden, as you probably know him, he's the host of the Late Late Show or more popular, the host of Carpool Karaoke. You watch that on YouTube? Yeah, Carpool Karaoke. So James Corden, he kind of blew up as a star really quickly. And he describes in his autobiography how he became a huge star. David Beckham became his friend. He knew everyone. He was going to all sorts of parties, drinking a ton, sleeping with all sorts of women. He said he would wake up in beds of women he had never met night after night and after night. And this is what he said about it. He said, the longer it went on, the emptier my soul felt. The longer it went on, the emptier my soul felt. He tried all this stuff, and it couldn't give him satisfaction. That's what this message is about today. That all these things we try, we seek pleasure in all sorts of different things, because we think, if I do this, I can get some happiness. My life will be better. I'm going to try this and this and this. And this is the first thing that really Solomon tries as he's on this journey to find meaning, purpose, and, and happiness in his life. And he says, I, I've tried it all. That's what Solomon's going to say. I've tried it all and I can't get no satisfaction. I keep driving down these roads and it's dead end after dead end after dead end. That's what we're going to see today. But we're also going to see a solution to the problem that we all face when we can't get no satisfaction. So in this series, we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Today, we're going to be in chapter two. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up, follow along on your smartphone. We'll have the verses up here on the screen as well. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 that was written by Solomon, a man who had it all and could try it all and did try it all. And this is what he discovered with his first thing that he goes after, satisfaction, going after pleasure. Um, <clears throat> so let's open it up and we're going to start in chapter 2, verse 1. You guys there with me? Chapter 2, verse 1, Solomon says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure. To find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? Laughter, pleasure, meaningless. That's what he says. If you weren't here two weeks ago for the first message in this series, we looked at that word meaningless. It's a very important word. It occurs, I think, 38 times in this book. It's a Hebrew word, Havel. Can you say that with me? Havel. And I illustrated it with, because I had a smoke machine. Do you remember this? I, I let off the smoke machine. And you can see the smoke, right? You can even almost feel it up against you. You can smell it. It's there. And yet when you try to grab it and hold on to it, it dissipates. It disappears. You can't hold on to that smoke. That's what Havel means. It's like that mist, that vapor, that smoke. You see it, it's there, you can smell it. But yet you try to grab onto it and it's gone. And he says, that's what pleasure is like. You think this thing is going to fill me up and make me feel good and you try it. And then even if it does, a moment later, it's gone. The moment's gone. The pleasure's gone. I've got to try something else to get more. He even says like laughter. He's, he's just trying to have fun and have a, like a, a, just a brief brevity about life. Let's just, let's just enjoy ourselves. Let's listen to some comedians and laugh. Isn't that what you guys do? Subscribe to Netflix so you can get the, the latest stand up, right? 
And you listen because they're funny. You just want to laugh and have a good time. And then you watch that. But if you try to watch it a second time, what happens? It's not as funny. I've heard these jokes before. Okay, then you get to the next comedian and the next one and the next one. Oh, this one isn't as funny. Oh, yeah. And, and it just you keep going on and on and on. And he says, you try this laughter and it's just madness. What does it accomplish? It's a dead end. I think it's one of the reasons why so many comedians are depressed and suicidal. We think laughter, pleasure that way is just fun. It's, it's jokes, but it doesn't fill us up, does it? It's a dead end. So Solomon continues on. He says, okay, let's try something else. Verse 3. I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. So now he tries alcohol. Been there? At the end of a hard day, man, i got to have a glass. After you put your kids to bed, I need that glass of wine. Moms, you with me? Now, you know, I'm not giving a message for mothers on Mother's Day. I don't usually do that, especially because we're going through a series. But I will have some application for moms. And I think it's application for everyone because this is the human condition, isn't it? I can't get no satisfaction. But we do this. It's, and then it's like the end of a hard week. I've got to have a few drinks. Get this weekend started so I can forget about all the, the burdens of the week, right? Or, or maybe I'm just going to let loose and get drunk. This is what Solomon is trying whether it's being a connoisseur in the best wines, because he was rich, he could do that, you know, get the right vintage, going to make sure that's the right Pinot Noir, sniffs it and smells it. He's trying the best wines, and he's trying, he's like, sometimes I just want to get liquored up, right? He's trying all of this, and he's going after it, and once again, it's another dead end. You know, one thing I want you to notice in here, and this is any time you're reading the Bible, Just because something is in the Bible doesn't mean you should do it. There are things that are descriptive and there are things that are prescriptive. Just because it's descriptive that describes something that happened doesn't mean it prescribes what you're supposed to do for your life. You tracking with me? We're going to see that especially in this book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon is saying, hey, I'm just going to try everything. And last week we were introduced to a phrase that he uses again some 28 times in this book, under the sun or under the heavens. He was saying, basically, I'm going to act like there is no God, like everything on this earth is all there is, everything under the sun, everything under the heavens. And I'm just going to live my life as if God didn't exist. And that's what he's doing here. He's trying everything. He said, why not just drink and drink more? And like James Corden, find out it's not getting me anywhere. It's a dead end. It's why 90% in one study, 90% of alcoholics say that life is utterly meaningless. Alcohol, it's not doing it for me. I thought it did. I, I needed it to, to have better friendships and, and get out socially, but it's just not cutting it anymore. It's letting me down. It's a dead end. But he keeps going on. Try something else. Another street to drive down. Verse 4. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. So he's saying, I undertook great projects. He said, I'm going to do something for myself. When you have a project, whether it's a building project or remodeling your home or doing something or even just, you know, setting up the kids' toys, you're like, look what I accomplished, right? That's what he's doing. Next week, we're going to primarily talk about work and what we do with our careers, right? But, but with this week, he's saying, I just want, tried these things for pleasure. Because when we do things with our hands and we build things out of our mind, whether they're creative or hard work, we feel some pleasure in it. 
That's what he's saying. I'm going to try that next. I'm going to build all these things and say, look what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. He says, I build houses for myself. Now, if you know the Bible, you know that Solomon is famous because he was the man who built the temple for God. He spared no expense when he was doing it. For seven years, he had the best craftsmen in the known world come, the best... um, different things, the building stuff. He got the best cedar. He got the best stone, the best gold to come. The craftsmen from the the world, they all came to help him build his temple. For seven years, they worked on this temple to make it beautiful for God. And then he built his own house. Do you know how long that took? 13 years. Spared no expense. He says, hey, you've already been working for me with this temple. Why don't you stick around for a little bit longer and build my palace? So if the temple took seven years. His house took 13 years to build. It was exquisite. But he said houses. We're told that he had more than one house. So he has his great palatial estate in the country and his loft in the city. He's got his getaway in the mountains and he's got his beach house on the Mediterranean. He's got it all, right? Some of you are like, yeah, I'd love to have all those houses. But he says it's another dead end. He planted vineyards. Now he's saying, I don't want to just taste the best wine, I want to create it. I want to make it even better wine to get the right grapes and get the right combination of grapes to make my own wine. So he, he has his own vineyard, his own winery. It's basically his hobby, right? And some of you have done this hobby, maybe it's making wine or, or with your own brewery or distillery, because we're in Colorado, you know. Mushrooms are, are legal here. I mean, it's Colorado, right? But you're trying all these different hobbies, Trying these different hobbies, trying all these different things, that's going to make me happy if I go after this hobby. Maybe it's hunting, maybe it's um, woodworking, maybe it's remodeling my house. We're trying all these different hobbies. That's what Solomon was doing. That'll make me happy. And then what happens? Well, I've got to get better at the hobby, and then I've got to take some, some classes, and then I've got to buy more stuff, and then I've got to try something different, and woodworking is enough. Let me try this different type of wood. And then you go to trade shows, and then you go on eBay, and there's, oh my gosh, you're collecting stuff, if that's your hobby, it's never-ending, right? And you need the next thing and the next thing, and you get your whole collection, and you still don't feel satisfied. It's another dead end. He said, I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. So he's making this, he's crafting the, the, the earth now. And he's making his own gardens and parks. Probably this would be a place where he would like go hunting or horseback riding. You know, this is, hey, let's get another deer blind up. Let's go get the ATVs out on our property. Let's go have some fun. This is another fun thing to do, right? Another dead end. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. He's trying everything. He goes on in verse 7. In verse 7 he writes, I bought male and female slaves. Remember, this is descriptive. Descriptive. And had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. How sad is it that he writes one sentence after the next, slaves and then these animals. He's considering them all property. He's owning them for himself. He's taking control and power over other people. He says, I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. The delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me, and all this my wisdom stayed with me. 
See how he repeated that phrase, my wisdom stayed with me? He's saying, I'm trying all these things, and I'm thinking about it. I'm analyzing it. Is this bringing me happiness? Is it? I mean, he gets all these slaves, and this is not a good thing if you read the Bible. This isn't a good thing that he did. But he did it so he could have power and property over people and so that they would serve his every need and every whim. That's what he did. He had servants to do everything for him, to wash his clothes and clean his house. He had the best, best chefs come and cook him every meal. They would give him massages and even bathe him. He had everything. Any whim that he had, people would serve him. I mean, some of us would want that, right? You moms are like, I wish I could get my kids to help me one day. Husbands, kids, now's your day, right? Now's your day. That's what we're saying. Like, I wish I could have people serve me. That's what Solomon had. He had everything at his beck and call. Anything that he wanted. He said, I acquired male and female singers. This is saying not only that, he had the best musicians on his payroll. He owned them too. So instead of going to Red Rocks to go hear his favorite musician, they would just come to him. If you want Beyonce for your birthday party, he's got it. Okay, he, he can listen to whoever he wants. If he wants the New York Philharmonic backing up Adele, they're there. And they play for him when he wants. Could you play that favorite song again? He's got it. It says he amassed silver and gold. So all this that he's accumulating, he's getting richer and richer. He's making Bezos and Zuckerberg look like they're middle class. Everything is his. In fact, in 1 Kings, this is how it describes the wealth of Solomon. All of King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold, as were all the utensils in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. That's one of his houses. They were not made of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. Everything is gold. Silver. Oh, no, I don't do anything with that disgusting. I don't drink off silver. This guy is wealthy. He has everything for himself. And he keeps getting more and more stuff. And all of it is another dead end. He can't ever have enough. He says there at the end of verse 9, that I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I said last message that he was basically like the Dalai Lama. People would come for miles and miles around to hear his wisdom. He was so smart. But he was also famous. There's a story in the Bible of the Queen of Sheba from South and Ethiopia traveling hundreds of miles just to be in his presence. And she brought with him all sorts of wild animals like orangutans. It's interesting because, hey, look at what I can give you. Something more that you can accumulate for yourself. You have your own zoo now. And everybody came because he was that famous. He was the most famous person in the world in his day. He was greater than everyone before him. So let's listen to his conclusion after he tried all these things to get pleasure. Verse 10. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. I can't get no satisfaction. 
tried it all. I have it all. It's not enough. How can someone have everything and it seem like nothing to him? This is the reality. Did you notice even in verse 8 it said he had a harem? Do you know what a harem is? He had his whole group of women. They were basically his slaves. He had, in the Bible, according to the Bible, it said he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. They'd do whatever he wanted. He had relationship after relationship. He tried it all. And it wasn't just one night stands, though I'm sure there was a lot of those. But he also had romance. If you think, oh, that's why he felt empty. No, no, no. He wrote a book called The Song of Solomon. It was probably his first wife. It's a beautiful romantic tale. It's poetry. It's beautiful. They had a real true love that he said was stronger than death. That's how strong the love was he wrote about. But even that romance was not enough. Even this sexual harem that he has is not enough. I can't get no satisfaction. It's just Havel. That's smoke. Every one night stand, every drink, all the money, all, every, all the pleasure that I have, it's not enough. I keep trying this thing and that thing. And, and, and we, what we do is we look at Solomon and we say, but I'd be different. If I had that opportunity, if I had that much money, that much wealth, that much fame, that much power, I would do it differently and I would be happy. But you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Like I, like I said, we, we look at people who are famous. Why is it that the famous comedians and actors and actresses, movie stars, are depressed and committing suicide? Don't they have it all? Why is it that the people that win the lottery go bankrupt and are depressed? We see this again and again in our world. That's why 90% of alcoholics say that life is meaningless. It's why in our society today, I saw this on CNBC, people that make $500,000 a year consider themselves average middle class people. $500,000 a year? It's why James Corden would have all that sex and say it's not enough. It's why I read this expose on the last couple of years of Hugh Hefner's life. And the writer kept saying it was depressing. It was depressing, depressing, depressing. This all he accumulated? It's not enough. It's why Cynthia Heimel, she's a feminist author, lives in New York City, and she knew a lot of famous people before they became famous there in New York City. And she said whenever they would become famous, they would become angrier. They would get extremely angry and irritated about all sorts of stuff. That they would be depressed and anxious and despairing. She said this, I think... When God wants to play a really rotten practical joke on you, he grants you your deepest wish and then laughs merrily when you realize you want to kill yourself. Now, she's not a believer. This is just what she's saying. Look at all these people. They have everything you want, right? Then why are they so unhappy? Why are they so depressed? You know, a lot of us are envious of Solomon when we read this. Let's be honest. We're envious of Solomon and the lifestyle, how lavish it was. But I think he would be envious of us. His houses didn't have indoor plumbing or air conditioning. We can go to any restaurant we want and eat any food we want in this city and have people serve us, the best chefs, people waiting at our table. We can get anything we want within 24 hours on Amazon. Talk about 
slaves at your beck and call, right? Seriously, we have everything that we want. We are the richest people in the history of the world. And yet, we grow more and more dissatisfied every year. That was a study out of Dartmouth College. They found that, pe- that Americans that Americans experience more pain than any other people in the world. That's what they say, that I feel more pain. That we become more anxious and depressed every single year. Greg Easterbrook had a book that came out several years ago, and the title was Progress Paradox, How Life Gets Better But People Feel Worse. Pleasure doesn't fulfill us. No matter what it is, you could do all these things that Solomon went after. And some of you will ignore what I'm saying today. And you will try. You will drive down this street and that street. Try pleasure. Try sex. Try relationships. Try romance. Another romance. Oh, I need to get this thing. I need to try this hobby. Oh, another hobby. Maybe if I get another house, if I go on this vacation, if I have this experience, all these things that we go after to get pleasure, we will try them all. And we will be left saying, I can't get no satisfaction. That's what happens. Again and again and again. So what's the solution? What's the answer? Should we all just sell everything we own? Go live out in the desert in a tent. Wear sandpaper clothes so nothing feels good. Have no friends. Get off social media. Just live by ourselves. Because obviously, if pleasures, that must be bad, right? Is that what God is teaching us? Is that what Solomon wants us to believe? Or, or maybe it's that everything in moderation is the solution. That's what people tell us today. Oh, you just need moderation. If you just don't have too much, everything will be okay. No, that's not what Solomon is saying either. It's really fascinating. At the end of this chapter, he, he's going to go talk about a couple other things that we'll get to next week. But at the end of the chapter, his conclusion to this search driving after down this road and this road, all these dead ends, one after another, another alley, another dead end. He says this in verse 24 and 25. He says, A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? It's interesting He says, you've been chasing all these different things going on, all these dead ends, one after another, after another, and after another. None of them satisfy me. That's what he says. And yet you can find satisfaction if you realize it is from the hand of God. Here's my big idea. You paying attention? I hope you're not asleep today. You ready? Pleasure is a gift, not a God. Pleasure is a gift, not a God. Pleasure is a gift, not a God. See, here's the thing. God, in his word through Solomon, is not saying, just go live in the desert, don't have anything fun ever again. No more enjoying anything because pleasure is bad. No, 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 God doesn't say that. In fact, Solomon said, you should find satisfaction. You should enjoy the things you eat and drink. Did you know God created us to enjoy things? He created us with our five senses, that we can see beauty, that we can taste good food, that that we can have sexual relations that are enjoyable. That's how God created us. 
but he created it as a gift, not a God. And a God is something that you pursue and chase and worship. This is the way. I've got to go after this. But see, pleasure is not the end. It's not the God. It's not the thing that we should go after. Because if you do, you will run into dead end after dead end after dead end. Instead, pleasure is a gift from God. God has created us to enjoy the world he has created. And we've got to realize that it's a complete change in perspective. I think that C.S. Lewis was right when he said this. Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Other than God. This is human history. We've tried all these different things and they've all been found lacking. But if God is our God and we go after him and pursue him and chase after him, then we can enjoy the gifts that he gives us in our life. You with me? You got that? Because, because here's the reality. If pleasure is your God, it's a cruel God. And you need to keep sacrificing and sacrificing and nothing will ever be good enough. And every time it will feel less and less. There's depreciating returns on investment when it comes to pleasure. It's true. You need more and more and more and it's never satisfying. But if on the other hand, we worship God as God and realize that he has given us so many things in our life, we can actually enjoy them and realize that we can enjoy them more and more and more the more we follow God and one day experience those pleasures forevermore. See, a lot of people think that God is a killjoy. He doesn't want you to be happy and nothing could be further from the truth. David, Solomon's father, wrote this in Psalm 16, one of my favorite psalms. He said, you will find, you will fill me with joy, David said, in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. He was talking about his experience in his life. Saying, in my life right now, I experience your pleasure, your joy, and one day I will experience them forevermore. God wants you to have joy. He wants you to have true happiness, not that fleeting satisfaction that's gone. And you're left wanting more. I think that Ravi Zacharias, I think that Ravi Zacharias ha- pinned the nail. He, I think he said it right. He said, I am absolutely convinced that meaninglessness does not come from being weary of pain. Meaninglessness comes from being weary of pleasure. What we need is the joy and meaning and purpose that comes from God. And God alone. God alone. So this is what I want to do for you. I want to give you three applications today. I want to give you three applications. Because God wants you to have happiness. He wants you to have enjoyment. He wants you to find satisfaction in Him. So how do we do that practically? The first one is to know that God knows best. God knows best. Uh, I want you to think back about your mother. It's Mother's Day, right? Think about your mom. I I love my mom. And your mom knew what was best for you, right? You would want to come home from school and eat a gallon of ice cream with chocolate and all the fixings on top and just eat the whole thing. But what did your mom say? You'll ruin your appetite or you'll ruin your dinner, right? Because you've got to eat some protein and then we can have a bowl of ice cream afterwards, right? Your mom didn't want you to be unhappy. 
In fact, she wanted you to be happy, but she also wanted you to be healthy and experience happiness forever because if you just eat a gallon of ice cream every single day when you get home from school, you're going to get uh, obese, you're going to have diabetes, you're not going to be healthy, you're not going to live very long. And yes, there is some wisdom in moderation. Your mom knew that, right? Okay, hey, we just went out for ice cream yesterday. Let's wait a little while before we go again. Because somehow, some, some reason we're like that, right? If we have the good thing over and over and over again, it loses its appeal. You know what I'm talking about? Mom knew that. We trusted our mom. We loved our mom. Even when we disagreed with her, we look back and we say, Mom was right. And mom doesn't know everything, but God does. So when God says, this is the way you should pursue joy in me, in being obedient to me, he knows what he's talking about. There is not a single command in the Bible to do something or not do anything that is to take away your happiness. It's to give you more happiness. It's true. You think, well, why would he say this is off limits and not to do that and this relationship isn't okay? Because he loves you and cares about you and wants your greatest joy. It's true. He wants the best for you in this life and the one to come. He cares about you and and he never puts an arbitrary rule in place. He doesn't. He wants the best for you. So that's the first thing, that God knows best. Here's the second thing. Don't chase it, but embrace it. Don't chase it, but embrace it. And this is what I mean by that. If you chase after these things, these pleasures... They will always let you down. But if when they come to you, you receive them with open arms and embrace them, the good things, you will actually enjoy them more. If you chase it, it's always going to let you down. But if you embrace them, because it's a gift from God, right? That's what we're saying. It's a gift from God. So we're going to embrace it when it gets there. The great philosopher, Ferris Bueller, (laughs) once said that life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Sounds pretty good wisdom, isn't it? Embrace those moments when they come. Enjoy them. So you should go on vacation. And when you go on vacation, leave your laptop in the room when you go to the pool. You know who I'm talking to. Okay, get in the pool with your kids. Don't be so distracted. Moms, this is a special application for you. Think about it. You have been given this gift of a child. Enjoy that child. Don't be so stressed and anxious about all the things going on. Just enjoy. Be present in those moments. Those are a gift from God. Every moment that you have with that child. Enjoy those moments. When you leave here today and you go to brunch or lunch or whatever, enjoy the meal that you're going to eat. God wants you to eat that food and enjoy it. And that leads us to the third application. Give credit to God. Give credit to God. If all these good things that God has created, even the fact that we have taste buds is the way God created us, we should give thanks to him for those things. And when you're at the meal today, say a prayer thanking God for those things. Thank God every single moment. And and the amazing thing about giving thanks to God is that it actually makes the enjoyment better. It's true. I want to challenge you to try it. When you stop and just for a second say, thank you, God, that can give you some of the deepest moments of joys you will ever experience in your life. Because you're giving credit to the person who it actually came from. If you just say, oh, I'm so good at what I do and I make so much money and I can enjoy what I have earned. No, no, no. You won't be as happy. But if you give credit to God and realize, wow, isn't it amazing that he's given me this steak? 
these, this family, these friends that I can laugh with, that I can go home and I have this beautiful spouse that I can have sex with. These are things from God. We should enjoy them and we should give credit to God for those things. They're from him. Let's receive them as gifts. Give credit to God and it will make your enjoyment even better. You know, as we look at the story of Solomon over the next 10 weeks after this, I think again and again we're going to see these mistakes and things that he tried that really ended pretty poorly. Again and again, another dead end, right? Driving down on the street, another dead end. And, and he gave in to every single one of his desires and whims. Every single one. Anything his eyes saw, he wrote, I went after. I tried it. I took it for myself. And it always let him down. I think that Solomon's life and his story is to point us forward to Jesus. Because Jesus had the same opportunities that Solomon had. In fact, when Jesus went out into the desert, do you know about this story? Satan went there. The devil went to him in the desert. And Satan basically said, you want anything, you can have it. You want the world, you want people to worship you and bow down. You want angels to do your bidding, you can have it, just do it. He tempted him with all of these pleasures. And Jesus said no, again and again and again. Because it was outside of God's will. Jesus said no to the things that Solomon said yes to. And what's interesting is that Jesus throughout his whole life was obedient to God. And he did it for his joy and our joy. Did you know that Hebrews chapter 12 says that when Jesus was on the cross dying in our place, even though he had done nothing wrong and committed no crime, no sins in his life, even though he was dying in our place, that the death we should have died, It says that he did it for the joy set before him. He knew that following God, even in obedience to death, would be the way to his ultimate joy and our ultimate joy. And did you know that when you put your faith in Jesus and say, I will follow him, not only are you given eternal life in heaven forever, but you are given eternal joy that starts now. That's one of the things Jesus purchased for you on the cross. Your joy, your true happiness. And that's why Jesus again and again says, follow me. Even deny yourself to follow me because that is the way to the truest joy. That's why even David would say in his presence are pleasures forevermore. The joy we can experience by receiving the good gifts from God and looking into eternity where we will receive those gifts and enjoy them with God forever. That will be incredible. One really fascinating thing about this story that we looked at was the language that Solomon used. He said that he, twice that he was looking for things that were good. And that he put these trees in a garden that he created with rivers running through it. Did you notice that? Do you know what that sounds like? The Garden of Eden. In fact, it's some of the same language that's used in Genesis chapter 2. When God created the perfect world and said, this is good. He made this beautiful garden with trees, with fruits of every kind, with the rivers running through it. And he placed Adam and Eve there in the garden to enjoy all the good things God has created. Then it was good. What Solomon is trying to do is recreate heaven on earth. But if you try to recreate heaven on earth without God, you will only create hell. And that's what Solomon experienced. Hell. It wasn't enough. I want to tell you one more story. 
Deion Sanders, you heard of him? Mm-hmm. Deion Sanders, incredible athlete, right? For those of you who are young, he was a professional baseball player and a professional football player. Yeah, that used to happen like twice. He played in the World Series and he won two Super Bowls, right? Incredible. He played for America's team. Not really America's team, right? I had some, a Cowboys fan in the first service cheer. He had it all, right? He was wealthy. He had everything. He had power. He had fame. He even dropped his own album. Okay? This guy had everything. But at the height of his power and riches, he felt empty. This is what he wrote in his autobiography. In 1997, he says, I was pretty much running on fumes. I was empty, no peace, no joy, losing hope with the progression of everything. So he drove off a bridge to end it all. He was empty. He had tried everything. He had every pleasure that you could imagine. And it was not enough. And and somehow, miraculously, he fell 30 to 40 feet in his car and survived. And he says in his autobiography that after that, I finally just got on my knees and gave it all to the Lord. He continued to play professionally in sports, but he said this was now going to be in faith, that I was going to do it for God and receive from God the good things that I have. And it changed everything for his life. It transformed it for the better. And that's what I want for all of you. You're probably not going to experience all the things that Solomon did. And even if you did, you'd realize the same thing that he did, that it will fail you. It's another dead end after another dead end. But if... You realize that pleasure is a gift from God and not God. Then I think you can find the fullness of joy here and forevermore. So if you're here and you're saying, Matt, I want to to follow Jesus. I've never made that decision before, but I think I want to do that because I I do want joy. I've been trying other stuff and it's failed me. I, I feel depressed and anxious. I want something better. I want to give you an opportunity to respond today and make that decision to follow Jesus. So could everybody just close your eyes and bow your heads with me? Now, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus before, you can say this prayer with me just to help the people that maybe this is the first time. And if you're here today and you're saying, Matt, I do want to follow Jesus. I want the fullness of joy. I don't want this unsatisfied life I've had so far. If you want to follow Jesus and find the fullness of joy in his presence, would you please just raise your hand right now? Everybody's eyes are closed. Awesome. Praise God. Okay, I want to lead you in a prayer. And everybody's just going to say this out loud with me. And this can be a prayer that you say to God right now. God, I need you. I feel empty. I want more. I want joy. Please forgive me of my sins. I accept you as Savior. I accept you as Lord. I ask that you'd give me the gift of eternal life and eternal joy. Help me to follow you and experience joy as your gift. Amen. Now with everybody's eyes still closed, If you made that decision today for the first time, we have a special gift bag for you in the back. It's a really cool bag. Even the bag itself is cool. 
And we just want to help you on this journey of follow Jesus so we can help you um, with each step that you take. So I'm going to be in the back. Sawyer traps at the back. We have these bags. Just grab one on your way out and we can encourage you, pray with you, or, or just give you that bag. Now, for everybody else that's in here, I want to say a prayer for you as, as we finish up today. Lord God, I pray that you be with us as we go out from here. Help us on this day, this Mother's Day. Experience the goodness that you have for us, the good gifts that you've given us. Help us savor each moment and be present in them so that we can enjoy them as a gift from you. Help us to embrace them without chasing them. Lord God, I pray that you'd be with each one of us, Lord God. We've been trying all sorts of different things and we forget. But Lord God, help us find our true joy in you and in you alone. Because at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Send us out in that joy in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are not going to finish with the song like we normally do. We are sending you out, okay? So we have a gift for, uh, for women and mothers. You can grab that. There's a chocolate and a flower for you. Go have a great Mother's Day, and we'll see you back next week. <laughs>